brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. back guys i could not be more impressed with all of you case update the connecticut police department under fire for insufficient investigations into the death of two black women has a history of excessive use of force and discrimination complaints some from its very own officers now a flurry of social media attention that started with the death of one woman lauren smith fields has reignited calls for federal oversight of this department. Since 2017, at least 14 people have filed complaints or lawsuits accusing the Bridgeport Police Department of civil rights violations, including excessive force and racial discrimination. Wow, guys, got a real good track record going here. Black officers, including two black captains who filed lawsuits sparking an independent probe, have accused the department of racial and hostile work environment. A former captain resigned in 2018 after texts emerged in which he called for an annual Juneteenth celebration, an N-word parade. Oh, my God. Wow. Allegations of police brutality have cost the city millions of dollars in the last two years, according to city council member Maria Pereira, who represents the district where the two women died. It's a constant here. Civil rights violations, shooting people in the back, kicking people in the face while they're down, pistol whipping young people while their backs are turned. And Pierre sold that to BuzzFeed News. Our police department is in shambles at every level. Manpower, morale, it is not functioning. Well, unfortunately, I have to say it is functioning just for all the wrong reasons. Like they're really good at, you know, brushing stuff underneath the carpet. Absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. The online pressure reverberated back to Bridgeport, and now a second family has come forward with a similar complaint. 
The family of Brenda Rawls, a 53-year-old black woman, said they had to start their own investigation to locate her body. Oh, God. She died December 12th, the same day as Smith Fields. This, guys, is absolutely unacceptable. Bridgeport Mayor Joe Gannam said the detective's behavior showed a lack of sensitivity to the public and failure to follow police policy. But advocates, local politicians, the NAACP, and even officers within the agency said that the recent uproar reflects long-standing concerns about this department. There is no surprise, but only huge disappointments. That was said by Reverend D. Stanley Lord, president of the local NAACP, at a press conference, and he had urged a wider review of the police department. He went on to say, this institution must be rehabilitated, reformed, and transformed. Let's also not forget, guys, that Connecticut is among the nation's wealthiest states and one of its most segregated. What year are we in now, Charity? Oh, my gosh. This, this still is not good. makes me sick. In Bridgeport, the police force is 54% white compared to 20% of its residents, and only one detective is black, and 80% of the police leaders are white. None of the seven leadership positions within this department are held by black officers. In recent years, complaints from black officers have offered a window into the department's internal culture. And let me tell you guys, from the outside looking in, that is not a culture I think that belongs in this society. I agree absolutely unacceptable let's keep the pressure on because they just said right there due to online uproar guys as a one voice we're one person all of us together we are a force that is unstoppable let's stop allowing this to be the norm exactly and all of this this is unacceptable in the year that we're in we're in 2022 can we put that stuff behind us and move forward as one entire generation of people who just love and care about each other. Yep. And that will not be the end of me complaining about this until we start making strides in the right direction. Charity, let's move on to today. I heard you have a double dose of funness for us. What do you got? I have um, a stupid criminal excuse that was uh, sent in by Brandy. Charity, let's get that right. Sorry, it's go ahead. The as of now, still unnamed stupid criminal excuse game. Okay, sorry. What Mark just said. And I have a side of triple D. I love sides. I know you do. Ketchup. Ranch. <laughs> Isn't that condiments? Worcestershire sour sauce. Wouldn't that be a condiment? Not when you lick them right out of the cups. Oh, okay. Then it would be a side. <laughs> All right. Let's get it. All right. So let's start with this stupid criminal I'm going to talk about here. 51-year-old Daniel Asif faces charges of driving under the influence in battery with a deadly weapon, according to Las Vegas KWU. On January 28th, while driving under the influence, Daniel crashed his car. The judge set his bail for $500,000. This crash happened on Las Vegas's 215 Beltway. Daniel was apparently driving the wrong way. What was his excuse for driving the wrong way and crashing, you may ask? Uh, since you are talking about it, I am 100% asking. Um... This is right up your alley, Mark. Okay. In, in court, Daniel told Judge Ann Zimmerman that Dale Earnhardt's ghost told him to drive the wrong way to get the attention of the mayor so he would bring NASCAR back to Las Vegas. I love this guy. Hold <laughs> on, hold on. I Give me a second. Let me flip through my board here because I host a racing show as well, and it's one of my drops. Hold on. I just got to get to this one. Here we go. Praise hell and praise Dale. <laughs> yeah, baby. I'm doing it for Dale. Doing it for Dale. 
I love it. I mean, as logical as this excuse sounds, it is important to note that Daniel had heroin and methamphetamines in his system at the time of the crash. But, you know, this guy stands by his word because when he was in court, he didn't have those drugs in his system anymore. And he still wanted the judge to know that Dale himself, the ghost of Dale, sorry, informed him this is what he needed to do for the the, the NASCAR lovers of Las Vegas. He was called. The Lord works, Charity, sometimes <laughs> in mysterious ways. I knew. I knew Mark was going to love this one. I love this guy. I don't love the heroin and all the other no, bad no, 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 stuff no, no, no. he has in his car. Well, and the, and the fact that he, he could have killed somebody, that that's not good either. But he's driving. doing it for Dale, Charity. He did it for Dale. He, and he wanted everybody to know that that's why he did it. Who sent this one in? This was from Brandy. Brandy, <laughs> I tell you what, my friend, since you just made me smile when I was so wound up over the last episode, you send me a message uh, on our social media. If you're not following, see, this is what you're missing out on uh-huh. because I'm giving charity something that's super special and exclusive. Oh. Guys, Facebook and Instagram, Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod, info at Case Watch Podcast. If you want to go ahead and email us charity, reach out to me and I'm going to send you the exclusive Case Watch signed sticker. Ooh. So you get charity signature and mine. Okay. All for just giving me a great, as we know, as of now, exclusive, unnamed. Let's let's add on to this. Let's make it okay. even more outrageous. Let's do it. The exclusive, unnamed, as of now, still unnamed, previously known as this. No, it's the unnamed <laughs> criminal excuse game. <laughs> Guys, and this makes my day. And Brandy, you are now a signed autographed Case Watch sticker. Richard, send me a message with your address and I'll get it right in the mail to you. Oh, she's lucky. She is. I don't even give charity one. I make charity. I like. I make her slave. I'm like, sign them now. He's really mean. My hand hurts sometimes. Yeah, it is what it is. Gotta, you know, gotta raise the Case Watch money. That's true. This hosting service don't pay for itself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is you said I have a side of Triple D. I have a side of Triple D. Let's get it. All right. I'm going to start right now. Good. A man named John Morgan, 28 years old at the time. What if he's related to Captain? Oh, I wonder. Well, he just got finished serving five years in jail for bank robbery. So what did he do? He walked into the savings bank of Asheville with no disguise. There's no way you pronounce that correctly. Asheville. A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E. Guys, Mark doesn't even edit this out anymore because we used to try to say it right. Now he just says tells me to say it wrong. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. What do you think it is, Mark? I'm not looking I'm at it. I'm going to say so Asheville. Yeah, but you you said it with zero conviction the first time you said it. So okay. I was like, you did not say that right. You're right. It creeps. You can correct me. That's fine. Anyways, he went in with no disguise and a full face of tattoos, like facial tattoos everywhere. The alleged robbery was on August 24th, 2015. He then decided it was a great idea for he and his girlfriend, Ashley DeBeau, to take a bunch of selfies, posing with the stolen money, and posting it all over their Facebooks. Many people found the pics along with the police, already having John's description, you know, the face tattoos. And the couple was arrested shortly after the posting of the pictures. Dumbass! I don't know. Can we give this guy all three? I think he deserves all three. Yeah. Um, and do you think that the girlfriend could have been the voice of reason? Like, hey, dude, maybe we shouldn't like post this stuff. Let's yeah. try to put them together. A, a doomed dishwit. 
Oh, I like that. Oh, a doom dishwit. I love it. Doom dishwit. People, you can go put that word, however you want to spell it, on the Apple to give us five stars. What a cherry's trying to say in English is if you head on <laughs> over to the Apple Podcast app. Thanks, Mark. Click Case Watch Podcast. Click Write a Review. Click five stars. Click Doom Dishwit <laughs> in the description. It really doesn't matter what you put. I, I would really prefer Team Mark for the win. No, team Charity. As long as you give us five stars, it helps us grow and it exposes more of this unnecessary fun banter that we give you guys twice a week. Yep, we try. Love it. Here's that was a great one, Sherry. That was I a made really my good day. One. I, I don't know. Hold on. Praise hail and praise Dale. <laughs> that one was pretty good too. Facial tattoos. Like that's not common, dude. Have some common sense. So wow. they're they're looking at this and they're like, either Post Malone just broke in yes. and stole this money, awesome. or this guy posing on Facebook with the face tattoos and all the money. Totally. Totally. I would have said it was Post Malone. That guy can sing. He can. Just to interview him, I'll be like, so we got to talk to you because, you know, you got all those face tattoos. So, you know. Yeah. Go ahead and come on in. Come on in. Come on in there, sonny boy. This is another good one. Wendy Lee Ween, age 52, decided she wanted to off her ex-husband. So, of course, what she did was she searched the Google machine and found a website called Rent-A-Hitman to help her with her problem. Wow. <laughs> she would even fill out an online form with all of her information, now in writing for anyone to see that she had full intention of having her ex killed. Fortunately for her ex, the website wasn't owned by a hitman at all. You really mean that? Yeah. It was owned by a computer specialist named Bob Eines. Any requests that Bob gets, he immediately turns over to the police. And that's exactly what he did with Wendy's information. She used a fake name, but all other information was that was given was correct. What was it? Andy, Andy Way? You remember <laughs> Probably, back when yes. we used to do pig Latin? Yes. My name is Andy Way, and I want to ill K my husband, hey. <laughs> what do you think the reason was that she wanted him killed? I, I could just guess. She said her ex stole $20,000 from her, and she didn't want to kill him herself. I mean, she's not an animal after all. I know. She doesn't want to get her hands dirty. <laughs> wow. And she also stated that she would prefer not to go to jail. Yeah, I mean. Because <laughs> you can't go to jail for hiring a hitman, right? Only if you do it yourself. <laughs> that makes all the sense in the world. These people are so smart. Okay, so this has nothing to do with this case or anything, but it just shows when stupid people do as stupid people do. Stupid is as stupid does, people. It is. I was just sitting down before a record watching one of the uh, multitude of I discovery discovery id or whatever yep. id discovery shows that my girlfriend has on repeat in the living room mm -hmm. it's either that or some music show one of the two this is pretty much all we ever watch and this lady was like i gotta tell you what's going on and then i gotta get to oklahoma because they can't take you back from oklahoma it's a safe haven for criminals <laughs> so once you get there they can't extradite you back here to new mexico what i'm like uh, this is a joke, right? Oh, my God. She said it repeatedly, and she said, this this is some sort of civil right violation because I was in Oklahoma, and they came and got me and brought me back down to New Mexico. That is not allowed. What? She's like, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Hey, you know what? You got to give these people credit if they stand by their story, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, she that lady is now telling everybody in the world this story. Well, I mean, all the people in our cell block, at least. <laughs> oh, man. Well, all this information went right over to the Michigan State Police. Oh. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Who would then contact Wendy pretending to be the hitman. She gave the detective a $500 deposit. 10% of the $5,000 she would pay in full after the deed was done. And of course, gave them an address as to where her ex-husband could be found and killed. She was of course charged and could face up to nine years in jail. I feel like she should do more time than that, though. Don't you think? You would think. Like, she had full intent. I mean, just for the stupidity of trying to hire a hitman on Google. I mean, not even the other stuff. Like, you're dumb and we don't want you on the street because you think you can hire a hitman on Google. Right? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, that the poor ex-husband, he kind of dodged a bullet, huh? Makes you wonder the validity of the money that was stolen. Right? Right? I want to know what, what it was for now. We got to try to get a hold of this husband and be like, hey, we want to talk to you about the money you stole from that crazy lady or who did tried he to even, hire a hitman. Or did he even steal the money? Or was did he just... Who knows with these people, right? I don't think we'll ever know. But it uh, doesn't stop us from telling their stories. Nope. Here's my last triple D of the day. It was heavy traffic one evening when a pickup truck pulled out quickly from the carpool lane going northbound on the 57 freeway close to a Brea, California police officer. The officer was on his motorcycle and pulled up to the driver's open window to warn him to be careful when switching lanes in such heavy traffic. When the officer looked more closely into the car, he would notice something interesting in the passenger seat. Oh, boy. (laughs) It was a female mannequin, I like to say it like that, wearing a hoodie. The man admitted to the officer that he was using the fake lady friend so he could use the carpool lane whenever he wanted to. All right. So <laughs> this guy is brilliant. <laughs> I might say he's a genius, but I love it. I, I don't even have a butt. I don't know where I'm going with there. I'm more still thinking. So this is the way my mind works since I'm older. Um as soon as you said motorcycle cop, California Highway Patrol, I chips. was thinking about chips. <laughs> I was, and I was like, is this car going to run into an intersection and roll over? Because you can't have an episode of yeah. chips without one of them flipping over. Everybody who's listening to this podcast from 16 to 35 right now are like, why are they talking about Doritos? Like, <laughs> I don't get it. 
I like Lay's too, but I don't understand what that has to do with California Highway Patrol. Guys, Google Chips, the show, the series. It's so great. It's Eric like Estrada at his best. Such bad acting, but so good. Wait, sorry, Mark. You Mark. said bad acting? Mark looks very upset. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I want to make sure you said that right. Bad okay. acting? The show oh, was that reminds me. Awesome. I watched White Noise. Oh, boy. I knew you were going to bring this up. I watched White Noise, guys. It did not scare me one bit, guys. I would like everyone else's opinion on that, please. Uh, you're crazy. And 100% that movie effed me up. And a couple of our listeners actually reached out to me and said I had to stop it because it was so scary. What? I don't know what kind of demonic world you live in and call normal at the uh, charity household. What do you think? What do you mean? You giggle with popcorn at any scary movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. You remember uh, back with Paranormal Activity when that person like launched at the camera and she's like, yeah. Yeah. Charity's like, oh, give me more. I love this. Oh, I could use eight more uh, paranormal activities. <laughs> so I texted him and I said, I just watched White Noise and I didn't find it scary at all. And you're like, I'm debating hiring a new podcast host no, because didn't. you're pathetic. I did not say that. But he, <laughs> he said, well, watch the second one. That's what he said back to me. <laughs> paranormal stuff freaks me the F out. That movie. Oh, I love all that oh, kind of stuff. Hearing those EVPs. That was like listening back to, I have them here. All right, let's, because everybody said that they absolutely 100% hated them when we played these because it freaked them out. It's like listening to these. This did freak me out. I still have those loaded in my board, so. Oh, God. I hit one by mistake when I was doing a live stream on for a different uh, company, but it was like. And there was a demonic like, voice. All right, and now let's stay stay attention to the screen. Uh, I, this is a very important part. <laughs> Oh like, everyone's like, what? what's going on? I'm like, sorry, guys. Oops. Uh, I, I host a true crime show as well. <laughs> Which is so weird because you get so freaked out. You'd think you'd be a little desensitized from all the gross stuff we talk about. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm scaredy cat, number one. I don't like my biggest fear, aliens. Aliens uh, do freak me out. But followed I, closely by cemeteries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cemeteries don't bother me. Maybe a really old one. I don't know. No. Oh, the coolest like cemetery I've ever been. So I have family that live out in Reno. So I had flown out there, and just outside of Reno, there's a city called Virginia City, Nevada. Sorry, my cousin's going to kick me in the hind end because I said it like that. It's Nevada. Virginia City, Nevada. And it is looks basically like something you would see on uh, the Waltons. It's like back in the 1800s and it's beautiful. They keep it this way. These storefronts all look like this. Ghost Adventures actually did an episode there. I actually sat at the bar and had a beer. That's awesome. Um, where they had this at. And there's a cemetery there that is an old, old cemetery. And it's just what you see in the old Westerns with the little teeny cages around them yep. and the tumbleweed guys like amazing like well, i walked through and it was just like history it was so good what about salem mass right in our backyard yeah it's salem, super old old in that cemetery salem is witchy stuff so it scares me i love going there all right guys sorry side jaunt charity what episode do you have for us today this is someone that um the creeps might have already heard of or maybe have heard you know the name we're going to be talking about Edward Theodore Gein. I have not heard of this person, so. Quote, unquote, the Plainfield ghoul. Ooh. Yeah. So Edward Theodore Gein, or Ed, was born in La Crosse County, Wisconsin, on August 27th, 1906. 
His parents were George Philip Gein and Augusta Wilhelmine Gein. He also had an older brother named Henry George Gein. Ed has said that he idolized his mother, even though he she didn't treat him very well, I guess. He has also said that his mother was a timid alcoholic. That's in quotations. I don't know if that means maybe he didn't consider her like a hardcore alcoholic or she just had a touch of alcoholism. I don't really know what he meant by that. He has also said that his mother was extremely religious. This would be the only reason she wouldn't divorce her husband, even though she had complete disdain for him. Ed was brainwashed by his mother's beliefs that lust and desire were considered very strong sins. She would constantly preach to both her boys how drinking alcohol was evil and all women were prostitutes sent by the devil himself. Well, except uh, of, wow. except of her, her, for her, of course, because she could drink and do whatever she wanted. But Cherry, she was just a timid alcoholic. She was just a timid one, so it was okay. And she's just a timid prostitute, I guess? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Henry, Ed's brother on more than one occasion, would speak to his mother and Ed about how strange Ed's obsession was for their mother. It must have been really obvious to make his older brother even take notice. The Gein family moved to a farm just outside of Plainfield. Hey, wait, is this Bates Motel? No. <laughs> but Is he going to start dressing up in his mom's clothes and killing people? Um, Let's just continue on. Okay. I'm just taking stabs in the dark here. The Gein family moved to a farm just outside of Plainfield. This was in 1915. Ed only left the farm to go to school. Children and teachers at school remember him to be a shy boy that was known to burst out laughing randomly. Who knows what was going on in this young boy's mind? It was reported by the school that Ed's mother would punish him if he tried to make friends. So I guess he had to have conversations with himself. That's kind of sad. That's wow. I know. The two would constantly work on the farm, go to school and listen daily to graphic readings from the Bible, readings about death and murder. The family would proceed on in life, living and working on their farm. In 1940, George, Ed's father, would pass away due to a heart attack, said to be a product of alcoholism. The brothers would now have to start taking odd jobs to bring money to the household. On May 16, 1944, 38-year-old Ed and his brother were burning marsh on the farm and the fire became uncontrolled. Firefighters came and successfully put the fire out. Only after they left would Ed report his brother George missing. Authorities would find George lying face down in the marsh, dead from asphyxiation, likely due to the severity of the fire. Further examination of George's body showed that he had been dead before the fire had gotten out of hand. There were also bruises on his head. Hmm. Yeah. There wasn't enough evidence to prove that Ed had killed his brother, though, even though the authorities still believed he did so. Interesting. That's, uh, okay. I get what you're putting down here. Yep. The death had to be accepted by everyone as accidental due to the fire. Looks like Ed got away with his first murder, and he would have all of his mother's attentions just as he always wanted. That is freaky. Yeah, I don't know. So, it sounds like the authorities were pretty sure that he off his brother and yeah. then who knows maybe he set the fire out of control on purpose to try to hide it i don't know my opinion oh you got an opinion uh would be like i said just my opinion just mark's opinion if, if that was me i would be like oj i didn't do it but if i did right um would just happen to be that if that was me i would have definitely set that fire to cover up the fact that i just murdered my brother yeah Maybe I mean, that's what he did. Sounds like a, a plausible excuse for me. 
Yep. He wouldn't get to have his mother to himself for too long as Augusta's health would start to decline, having a series of small strokes. Ed would stay completely devoted to his mother and would make it his job to take care of her. She was the only woman in his life at this time. So he blocked himself off even more from the world at this time because he was there and taking care of his mother as her number one person. Yeah. I'm just going to let that hang there in the silence for a second. Yeah. Augusta would die December 29th, 1945. After his mother's death, Ed would only leave the house to do odd jobs to support himself. Some of these jobs were to babysit. Somebody let this guy babysit. Yeah. Like this odd man. He's very odd. and People let him babysit their children. Just wanted to put that out there. Other than that, he stayed antisocial. The farmhouse would begin to fall apart. Every part of the house that his mother hadn't used was falling apart. He just let it go. He kept the rooms that she had frequently used almost in a museum state. Memorialized them. Okay. Yep. They would continue to look exactly as they had before her passing. Creepy. Kind of creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. He's just weird obsession. He would move his room to a room right next to the kitchen and begin a deep dive into stories involving Nazis and cannibals. He also began to read magazines about death cults. Yikes. Yeah, these are good combinations. Not good. Ed continued on as a loner, still taking in odd jobs for money. Because he owned the farm in 1951, he would get money from the government to help the farm continue to run. So I assume this is something that, um, you know, because the farm provided goods and food for the community, he was able to get funds to help it continue to run. Well, if you... Just roll back a little bit on what you said. This was 1945. This was uh, World War II era. So this is exactly what it was. Absolutely. Yep. So he would work on and off of his own farm, sometimes helping with crop threshing. He also decided that since his brother was dead, he just, you know, would sell off his 80 acres of land that he had owned because, you know, he's dead. So he didn't need it. Nice, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, wow. I know. Most locals would say that Ed was an odd individual. You think? <laughs> and I don't think they meant the good kind of odd. Like when I say that you're odd, Mark. Like I'm a good odd. You're a good odd. But I am odd. You are odd. Yeah, I Any am Any of our listeners who reach out to me realize that guy's odd. I think they realize I do too. So some of the stuff I post on my, on my Instagram, charity underscore casework. Guys, who's more win. odd, charity or Mark? I think, well, I think it it's, might be a equal. It might be a draw. Yeah, I don't know. But as odd as they found him to be, none of them thought that he would cause any harm. This, of course, was until 1957. At this time, the owner of a local hardware store, Bernice Warden, would disappear. The Plainfield Deputy Sheriff Frank was Bernice's son, and he, of course, was first on the scene. The cash register was left wide open, and Frank found bloodstains on the floor. He would go on to explain to investigators that Ed had been in the store the day before and said he was going to return the following day to buy some antifreeze. A closer look at Bernice's register showed that the last sale she had was indeed for antifreeze. Hmm. Hmm. In- interesting. In putting all of this information together, police would head over to the Gein farm to search Ed's home. What they found would be the most bizarre and horrific scene any of them have ever seen. Uh, that long silence you left there in the air told me that this is going to get good. Let's just say that there have been several characters in movies over the years that were loosely based on Ed Gein. One of these characters, Mark, was Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. No way. Remember that, dude? It puts the lotion on the skin. 
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Remember him? That is freaky movie. Uh-huh. I love it. Okay. Here we go. Now, let, let people let your mind wander for a minute. Just kind of think what kind of things they might be going to find in this home. Once you said that, yeah, my mind is going, it's going crazy. Right? Yeah. Apparently, Ed incorporated various body parts and random skin everywhere in his house. Here are some of the things police would find. His chairs had been reupholstered with human skin. Oh, my God. Yep. Hor- horrible, right? His utensils were all different types of human bones. And his bowls were made from skulls. He even stitched himself up some nice warm gloves with human skin. Wow. The police would discover a human face being used as a lampshade, a wastebasket cover in skin, and lips being used as a drawstring to a window shade. So, you know, like to pull the shade down, he put the lips on the end of it. So this guy invented Venetian blinds? With lips. With lips. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say, Charity. This man? The lampshade is making me just, oh, just like want to do a deep Google search no, dive. Hold on. This man had a belt fully made out of nipples and made himself a corset made from a full torso. Men's nipples or women's? Women's. Women's okay. nipples. What? Oh, my God. Does that make a difference? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird that I did ask that. I don't yeah. know. And then he's like, guys, and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. I not horrified that it's a a nipple belt. Hey, I'm just curious. <laughs> it was it was a good question. I'll give it to you. In a shed is where Bernice Warden's headless torso would be found. She'd been shot dead at the store with a 22 caliber rifle. It was obvious her body had been mutilated after her death. Oh, that stuff makes me sick. So sad. The torso was found hung upside down and cut open like a hunter would do to a deer. All her blood draining out, the poor woman. So you know this guy has a process. He, You know like he's got this down. The face of Mary Hogan was also found. I don't know if it was in another lampshade or just hanging out for decoration, but Mary was a bar owner that went missing three years earlier, and the community was still looking for her, so apparently he took her. Here 
is a list of what the authorities found. Now, brace yourself, people. This is, it's really bad. They found four noses, whole human bones and fragments, bowls made from human skulls, as we said, 10 female heads with the tops sawed off. Well, that's, he made the, uh, the bowls out of them, I'm assuming. Uh, human skin covering chair seats. Mary Hogan's head in a paper bag. Ugh. Bernice Warden's head in a burlap sack. Nine vaginas in a shoebox. That's an odd place to keep a vagina. I mean, yeah. This guy, wow. I know. Skulls on his own bed, as bedposts. So on his bedposts, he had human skulls. He had some rando organs in the fridge. The lips on the shade. The female nipple belt. And the human face lamp shade. All of these findings were brought to the crime lab, examined, then each one was photographed for evidence. I don't even know what to say. Oh my God, can you imagine? Then each and every one of them was properly disposed of out of respect for the victims. Thank God. So, if things aren't already interesting enough, they're about to get even more interesting. Oh my God. Ed was obviously arrested and brought back to the police station to be questioned. He would say that between 1947 and 1952, he made about 40 visits between three local graveyards in the middle of the night to dig up some bodies. Oh, no, he didn't. Sure did. The bodies would be those that were recently buried, and he would claim he would come to in a day's state and return home with nothing at least 30 times. So 30 out of the 40 times, he didn't take any bodies home. He did the right thing, he, you know. He uh, did the right thing. Yeah. 75% of the time. Yeah. I mean, he was in a daze. He was in a dazed state. Did the other guy, the one who was like, you don't know how many more butts I could have slapped. Oh. Did he get his excuse from this guy? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if he knows about Ed Gein. He's like, I could have had way more belts. You don't even understand. Right. That was just one nipple belt. This, oh, guys, I could have had four. Guys, not making light of this because it's horrific, but my God. You have to try, have to, to, try. to get through oh. the sickening of what this person is. Oh, my God. The other... 10 midnight grave visits, he would find a dead body of a middle-aged woman that looked most like his mother. Ed would take these bodies home. Oh, no. Nine in total, tan their skin, then decide how he would use the various parts, bones, and skin around his house. Guys, this sounds very consuming. Like, how did he have time for any of his odd jobs? If you're constantly making artifacts for your home out of dead bodies. I like that you said they're artifacts. Yeah. I don't know what else. I was trying to be. I don't know what else I should call them. This guy is a sicko. Uh, that's Let's an get right off the uh, yeah. bat here and say that. This guy's a sicko. That's an understatement. The police weren't entirely sure that Ed would have been able to dig up a body, make the grave look untouched, and somehow get the body to his house by himself all in one night. They asked Ed to show them the graves he had stolen from, and he did. When the bodies were dug up, they were indeed gone. So the police actually fact-checked. They went to the grave sites where he said he took the bodies from, and when they, they went to dig it up, the bodies that were crazy. indeed gone. Here is some more twisted information. Not long after his mother died, Ed decided he would like to have a sex change. To do this, he would need to make a woman suit. He thought if he made the woman suit, he could wear it whenever he wanted to be a woman. So simple, isn't it? You just it make is. a suit, yeah. So is that why he kept all the vaginas in the box? He wasn't sure which one he wanted to use? Maybe. Maybe he was looking for the perfect vagina. I don't know. Who knows? This is unbelievable. Hey, guys, don't worry, though. 
He said he never had sex with the dug up bodies because they smelled bad, but he would wear them. I, I, that doesn't, I don't understand. So you're not going to have sex with them, but you're wearing them. All right. So do you remember in the last episode when I said, when you put a lot of extra erroneous information out there? Yeah. You're usually lying. Well, there's like, guys, I just want to make sure, you know, yeah. like I dug them up. I cut, you know, their body parts off. But I did not have sex with them. Yeah, there's there's definitely speculation. Guys, I didn't have sex with mm -hmm. them. I'm just throwing that out there. Didn't happen. Never happened. Never thought of having sex with them. I did not. Guys, it wasn't me. Yeah. There's definitely speculation that he... Yeah. Yeah. Even though authorities knew Ed was responsible for killing Mary Hogan, the bar owner, because the poor woman's face was found, he admitted shooting her to death. A local 16-year-old boy that sometimes went to ball games and movies with him would tell investigators he knew about the small faces Ed had told him they were sent to him from his cousin that served in World War II. What these really turned out to be were female masks. Ed made peeling the skin off dead women's faces. Oh my God, can you imagine the poor boy's horror when he realized what they really were? That's going to be messed up. Like now yeah. he's just a young boy. He needs to now process what he was told and what he saw were actual. I'm trying to process this. Me, me too. I know. I, I can't, I can't believe it. The Washara County Sheriff was Art Schley at this time. Uh, guys, let's take a vote. Did Charity <laughs> pronounce either of those right? I'm sorry if I didn't. Because I don't know if they're right or wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry if I didn't, guys. So, but let's take a vote. It's going to be probably no, I didn't. And Although, <laughs> do you know what I do love? What's that? Is one of the crime creeps did come forward on, I forget which episode it was, but she stated that I actually pronounced the word that I was trying to say correctly because that's where she's from. And I was very proud of myself. Just wanted to say that. And thank you for, thank you very much for acknowledging. So me. Charity is just admitting that she is like a broken clock because those are right twice a day too. Yep. True. That's fine. <laughs> I love it. Due to the high emotions these crimes brought forward and everyone wanted answers. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does want answers, buddy. Art would allegedly assault Ed during the interrogation. It was said the alleged attack involved Art slamming Ed's face and head against a brick wall. I'm in no way condoning these actions, but I can't imagine the emotional state of these officers after seeing the horrors in that house and the mutilated bodies of their very own community. Because of the attack, Ed's original confession was ruled to be inadmissible. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank God for all that physical evidence. Yep. November 21st, 1957, Ed would be arraigned at Washara County Court on only one count of first-degree murder. He would enter a plea of not guilty for reason of insanity. After being evaluated by mental and medical professionals, Ed would be found unfit to go to trial at that time. Instead, he was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. This was a maximum security hospital in Wapun, Wisconsin. I'm going to go ahead and say negative on that pronunciation <laughs> as well. Whatever. He would then be transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. The years would go by, and in 1968, Ed was again evaluated, and this time, doctors said he was fit to stand trial. I'm wondering, like many other cases we've talked about, if doctors within the facilities were able to kind of give him the mental help he needed, that he so clearly needed, and maybe get him, you know, mentally stabilized with medications. I don't know. Very possible. You know, I mean, if he, if he went that long without any mental help, and now he's in an actual facility, that's all they do. Let's get him the help he needs and let's uh, make him stand for his crimes. Yeah. Ed's trial would begin November 14th, 1968 and would only last one week. 
I guess prosecutors would only charge him with first degree murder of Bernice Warden. This was because of financial reasons. So that's kind of sad. They didn't have the money to be able to go after him for all the other really is horrible things. And it makes me so sad because he did unspeakable things to many loved ones, dead bodies. In fact, investigators would find a total of 10 women's bodies. And what about poor Mary Hogan and all the horrific things he did to her body? It's just sad. It really is. You know, these people who, who you know, they buried their loved ones, gave them a, a ceremony and put their body to rest just to have it dug up and torn apart like that is just horrific. I haven't said this to somebody in a while. You, sir, Ed, you're a douchebag. Oh, he's a douchebag. Yeah. He really 100%. Is. He really is. Jeff. Actually, Charity. Yeah. I am officially putting Ed Gein on the dartboard of douchebags. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I haven't put one on here for a while. Oh, no, you haven't. Ed, welcome to the club, douchebag. Welcome, welcome to the club, Ed. Judge Robert H. Gallmer would find him guilty of the murder in first degree. But because he was deemed insane at the time of the murder, he would be sent back to the mental hospital where he would remain for the rest of his life. I guess at least he would never be allowed to be free again. So he was in a facility, you know? Oh. It's just, yeah, also so sad and senseless, as we say. But in my mind, this man was truly insane. Charity, I actually 100% agree. And it is a sad situation, to say the least, for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, this guy literally, you can li literally say he was mentally insane because nobody sane would be able to mutilate bodies like that. You know, I, I just, I don't know. Remember the sheriff, the one that roughed him up? Yeah, the one you can pronounce his name. I yeah, do. that's why I said the sheriff. Whatever. <laughs> he died of a heart attack in December 1968, and this was only a month after he testified at Ed's trial. Family and friends of Arts would say being traumatized by the horrific crimes and the fear of testifying about the alleged confession attack led to his untimely death at the age of 43. He was only 43. Wow. Sad. That is young. Very sad. Ed Gein would die July 26, 1984, in Goodland Hall at the Mendota Mental Health Institute. Charity, don't try to start pronouncing stuff correct now. All right, sorry. He had been fighting cancer and suffered complications. He died of respiratory and heart failure at the age of 77. His gravesite is in Plainfield Cemetery and has been vandalized many times over the years. People have chipped at the headstone to have their own souvenir of a serial killer. And in 2000, the headstone was even stolen. But it was recovered in June of 2001 and now sits in a museum in Washara County. Wow. Yeah. Wow is right. Yeah, that is uh, crazy, I guess I would say. You never know the depths of what somebody can do. And we listen to these cases time in and time out. And it's just one of these like, wow, whenever I think I could not hear something that was worse, you one up them. I know. Unbelievable. Guys, I just want to make sure I stress one more time. Cases that you feel are not being covered, reach out to us on social media. Case Watch Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Case Watch Pod on Instagram. Info at casewatchpodcast.com for the email. 603-212-4600. Because people were saying on the live stream, I was saying that too fast. Yes, I did say that. 603-212-4600. You can text it. You can leave a voicemail. Sometimes I even pick it up and say, hey, what's going on, creep? Because that has been known to happen. Guys, I can't thank you enough for all the support. I'm going to thank you in advance for all of the five-star reviews you give us on Apple Podcasts. You know, the ones where you put underneath, you know, Team Mark for the win. Team Charity. Those ones. Guys, until next time, have a good one. Bye, guys. See ya.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.